simply this, where are the parents? Now, I, I want to preface this message by saying that some of you are going to get mad at me before I'm finished. I just want you to promise that you're going to love me regardless because I'm going to preach the truth regardless. Amen. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to preach what the Word of God says, and you can hold that up against whatever you want to hold it up against. Um, so, but anyway, I want to talk about where the parents are. And I would say this. The Bible lets me know that we ought to train our children correctly and properly in the house of the Lord. Amen? Now, if we fail to do that or if we abdicate our authority uh, to do that, then they get raised in the street or they get raised, you know, here and yonder and by everybody else's values. But let me start out by asking a question. Should our homes, our houses be spouse-centric or kid-centric? In other words, that means should the spouse be at the center of the home or should the kids be? And, and so you don't have to answer that out loud. But I want to tell you the world has driven us to the place where the kids are the central figure of the home. But the question is, should it be kid-centric or should it be spouse-centric? And uh, let me give you an idea for some, how many baby boomers do we have? Uh, you baby boomers, somebody come along in that era and wrote a book and they begin to perpetuate this idea of kid-centric homes. The Bible never told us that the kids were the center of the home. Now, I understand my children. Let me tell you this. I would fight uh, a chainsaw for my children right now. You believe that. Amen. But the Bible gives us a family order. I want you to understand, Mom and Dad, that you married each other till death us do part. When that child come along, they came for 18 years, maybe 20. Now here's what I want to say to you. You cannot abandon your lover, your spouse, for 18 years and then expect everything to come back together like it ought to after the kids are gone. So I want to talk to you about being built to last, about a family that is built to last. And Dr. Spock wrote a book, and Dr. Spock came out with things like this. He said, parents, you ought to be permissive parents. Just let children explore and be creative and do whatever they want to do. And that's what Dr. Spock said. In fact, he even said everybody in the family is equal. Now, my dad didn't get the memo on that. But... <laughs> Everybody in the family is equal, and there's no real leader. He encouraged parents to reason with their children and ask them, now why in the world would you act such a way? Why would you be so creative? Why would you? And so Dr. Spock come along, and uh, literally, let me, I will show it to you this way. Now listen. When I'm preaching, I'm not preaching from any example from here, but I'm going to say I've seen it, and I bet you have too. If you want to find a kid-centric home, I'm going to help you. When you leave here and you go to the restaurant today, just go to the restaurant and watch what little kid is pouring ketchup down somebody's back, opening up all the creamers and throwing it all over the room. It's getting quiet in here. 
And you got a parent over there that says, look at little Johnny. Don't he have an imagination? You know, he just now shot mustard all over the waiter. Oh, little Johnny, crazy little thing. He's just like his mama. You know? And we applaud that kind of behavior, and, and, and somehow we, we don't want to correct anything. Uh, you see, but the bottom line, in a kid-centric environment, what happens is kids become number one. No matter what they want to do, no matter what they want to buy. I, listen, I was in a doctor's office 20 years ago, and I had my children going for a checkup, and there was a little kid there, couldn't have been over two and a half or three years old, sitting in his mama's lap facing her. I want to go to McDonald's! I want to go to McDonald's! She said, we can't go to McDonald's right now. We're at the doctor's office. And he in the face and in the chest. I'm going to McDonald's. And I'm thinking, man, what lady, if you just let me take him in that bathroom for a second, I'll fix all this for you. I'm thinking to myself, she's like, you're not going to get a toy. I'm thinking that my dad would have left me laying probably right now. He wouldn't have killed me, but I'd have wished I was dead. But kid-centric homes, the kids are number one, the spouse becomes number two, and God becomes number three. Now, here's what the Bible says about this. Let me say this. You understand that parents, the process, parenting is the process of teaching and training our children to leave. I'm going to say that again. Parenting is the process of teaching and training our children to leave. Now, I cried when all of mine left home for a little while. <laughs> you see, the thing is, but we are to train them, to raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. The Bible says in Genesis 2 and 24, therefore man will leave, therefore man will leave his father and mother, be joined his wife, and they too will become one flesh. At some time, uh, at some point, it is time to grow up, and it is time to leave and cleave. Huh? Leave mom and daddy and cleave to that spouse. Create a new family. That's God's idea. Children leave. Parents stay. But you cannot have put your child first and, and your wife second and God third for 18 years and then decide all of a sudden, I got them all raised now, God. You know, I, I want my wife back. I want my husband back. And the problem is in a kid-centric world, oh my goodness, the world has been built around them. Why are so many kids staying home? Let me answer that for you. You know why? Because they have an iPhone when they're three. Are you with me? Because they play 14 different sports. And I'm not against sports. I think sports is, is a part of it, and I think we ought to teach them, and I think they ought to learn the arts, and I'm all about all of that stuff, so don't, don't, don't write me off just yet. But they stay at home because, parents, you do all the work. You shuttle them, well, i got to take them to dance. i got to take them to soccer. i got to take them to basketball. i got to take them to baseball. i got to take them to this. They can't be great at everything. Hello? Listen, look at your schedule. Your schedule, man, little Susie's over here, little Debbie's over there, little Johnny's over here, little Jackson's over here. I mean, I've just, you just ran to a frazz. And then you know what happens? You work after them, and you run after them, and you take them, and you take them, and your husband gets home. Oh, I am dead dog tired. Good night. No time for your spouse. 
who's supposed to be God first, spouse, and then children. You see, uh, our commitments, I want you to count up the dollars. You say, well, I'm going to put my kids first. I, it's all right. I want you to spend money on your kids. I want you to bless your kids. But listen, when we just do everything beyond, beyond the pale of comparison to anything else, listen, we know you love them, but you can show them you love them by dis discipline is love. Let, let me help you about that. If you want marriage and to be a great parent at the same time, your relationship with your spouse has got to come above the relationship with your child. Woo! Got a little quiet. Got to do a little plowing this morning, it feels like. But the Bible talks about husbands, love your spouse as Christ loves the church. He never mentions the child. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not suggesting that we don't love our children. I, absolutely, we love our children. Don't get me wrong. But, but let me say this. When you have worked all day, and she has worked all day, and then you ran all night, you know, this game and that game and the other game, you had no order to your home, you come in, you're both dead dog tired. You have no time for each other. So, man, if we can just get the kids bathed, get them into bed, and then y'all both fall dead off your feet into the... You know, and you keep on doing this for year after year after year, and then you wonder what happened to the intimacy in our own, what happened to the date. We don't ever have no time for a date. You ain't got no money for dates because you bought new cleats and new ball bats and new soccer balls and new tennis balls and a new clarinet and this and that. And you went on and on and on and on and on and on, and you put yourself and your spouse way down here, contrary to the Word of God. If you want to give that child the best chance, you make sure mama and daddy stay together till he's grown. So, now, I know it may sting a little bit, but help me. Uh, just be with me. Uh, understand this. So what I'm saying is, mom and daddy got to have a plan. That means you got to have a bedtime set so that if daddy has to work till 5 or 6 o'clock, are you with me? Say amen. I'm not saying you abandon the child and he never sees his mom and dad, but you've got to plan it to where if it's only an hour or if it's two hours, they might have to go to bed at 8 o'clock. So you guys have from 8 to 10 to be together, to unpack today, to be intimate. Whatever it is God wants you to do to keep your marriage where it ought to be. To talk. Together, so uh, so God should be first, spouse should be second, and kids should be third. Then you got to learn how to lead intentionally. To lead intentionally. Let me say something to you: a person that's driving 50, or 25 miles an hour in a 55 speed limit on a one-lane road, they have become a leader, but not intentionally. It makes most of us mad. Are y'all with me? They've become a leader, but not intentionally. You've got to be intentional about raising your child. You know what? Okay, you have a couple of sports. You don't have 14. Okay, you, you have a, a, a few days maybe where you get to stay. Maybe it's Friday night. You get to stay up a little bit later or whatever it is. But we're going to build time in there for mama and daddy because we want this marriage to last. Let me move on. Train up a child the way he should go. When he's old, he'll not turn from it. You see, the, here's what Edward Duke of Windsor said. The thing that impresses me most about America is the way the parents obey their children. So how do things get so out of order? How do things get so crazy? Somewhere we let the enemy come in. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4 not to give place to the devil. 
But somewhere the devil came in. I want to tell you something. It started way back in the garden. Now, I'm going to get both men and women. Remember the, the jab and, and, and the hook or the uppercut? Well, here it comes. In the garden, you got Adam and Eve. Adam uh, was there, and of course, Eve was taken out of man and all this stuff. And so, But the enemy come along. And, and when the enemy come along... He began to talk to Eve. He said, did God say you couldn't eat of this tree? Oh, yeah, God said we couldn't. No, 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 God didn't really mean that. He just knows if you eat of this tree, you're going to be as smart as he is. Now, I want to remind you of something that God had already told Adam. He said, I have given you dominion over all the things. It is yours. You can control it, even the creeping things. And that's kind of a subtle thing because the old slew foot, the devil just sort of creeped up to Eve and showed her that fruit and so, here's what I know. That he talked her into rebelling against God. Rebellion. Why is it we always want what we're not supposed to have? Hmm? And, and so she rebels. And she didn't ask God. She didn't wait on God. God would come walking in the cool of the day. She didn't say, well, let me hang out and wait and see what God thinks about this. She didn't even turn to Adam who was close by and say, hey, honey, what do you think about eating of this tree? She said, no, I'm going to do it on my own. Did you understand that when God created the family, he gave Adam a coat of authority? He said the husband was the head of the household. Now, y'all be careful. I know some of y'all are going to freak out about all of this. Now, he ain't been the Lord over me. He ain't supposed to be lording over you, but he is the head of the home. And brethren, God holds you accountable for how you lead your home. You're going to give an account how you lead her and how you lead those children. But I submit to you, Adam was within earshot. He was right there because after she ate of the apple, she just turned and said, well, you want some? So while her first sin was rebellion in the fact that she didn't ask God, and he had already said no, she didn't ask her husband, but his sin is that of passivity. He saw what she was doing like some dads. Hang on. There are some dads that see what's going on in the family and just choose not to deal with it. Anyway, passivity. She's eating of this fruit and he don't stop her. He don't say, hang on, baby, we got something good going on here. He don't say a word. She eats and then he says, well, I have a bite myself. And so he takes part of it. So rebellion and passivity, that is the sin. But God, brethren, have given you the gift of leadership, and it is your place to take your place. And the Bible says this in 1 Corinthians 14 and 40, that let all things be done decently and in order. I want to say to this, the family is supposed to have some order. Now, I understand that there are some women, uh, the man took off his coat of authority, laid it down, and, and rather than just praying for him and seeking God for him, the woman just picked it up because she felt like she had to and put on the coat of authority and began to make decisions because he wasn't going to make them. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I know it's getting a little dicey in here. But nonetheless, in a Christian home, brother, it is your place to be that head of that household. Mom, it is your place to be in submission to your husband. I'm not talking, please don't, don't accuse me of saying that brothers lord over sisters and you get in there and clean that room or this. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying we are partakers together, but the buck does stop with you when it comes to responsibility. So, so 
let me talk a little bit about discipline. Man, time has a way of getting by. Discipline is correction driven by love. Notice what the Bible said in Hebrews 12 and 5. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart. In other words, don't, don't, don't faint when, when the Lord because when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines those he loves. The Lord disciplines those he loves. Then watch this. Proverbs 19 and 18. Uh, Discipline your son, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to his death. Now, Dr. Spock come out with another thing. Man, don't you whip your children. Reason with them. Give them a time out. And, and, for the, and I know we got a lot of time out, mom and daddy. Okay, I, I just want to say one thing about time out. If you're not careful, one day they will get the ultimate time out for 10 or 20 or 30 or life. Because we refuse to do what God's word says do. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction, not abuse. I'd be the first right now to stop abuse. I am staunchly against it, but I'm going to tell you, I had my tail tore up more times than I care to count. I, I had a visitation ministry going on all through middle school and high school. I used to visit the assistant principal's office because he needed out the discipline. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And I turned out all right. Hello? I did. Now, hey, I got, hey, I, I got the whipping. I got the correction. And sometimes it was over the top. Y'all with me? Because in the era that I was raised, in the family that I was raised, the option was stand here like you ought to and I will hit you on the butt. I shouldn't have said it like that, huh? Anyway, the behind. But nonetheless, if you dance and carry on, wherever you get hit, you get hit. <laughs> now, every now and then they got real anointed. And didn't grab the belt, and I'd rather get a belt with any get a whip with any belt than I had a switch. Man, a switch will wear you out. But I've had the extension cord, and I'm gonna tell you, then that is abuse. Y'all with me? I ain't down for that. I'll never forget, man. I and man, you ever seen mom and daddy smack somebody in the face? I don't like that. One of the things me and Kelly talked about, we said we will never slap our children in the face. Now, I broke that promise one time on my baby boy, Andrew. He's the meanest thing ever walked. <laughs> I just went to bat for him at the high school. And man, it wasn't the next week. He done got suspended for five days or ten days. And when he smarted off at me, I backhanded him right across his jaw. And I'm sorry, I was wrong. They say, do not discipline in anger. And my, I'm thinking, well, man, why, when else are you supposed to discipline? <laughs> now, I, I know you don't supposed to discipline in anger, but that's a tough thing, man, because when the heat of the moment is there, it's time to fix this thing right now. At least I, anyway, let me, let me move on. I done stirred up a hornet's nest right now. But listen, discipline is not something you do to your child. It is something that you do for your child. Listen to me, Zig Ziglar said this, and it is powerful. A child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world family will be disciplined without love by the big world. Did you hear me? A child who has not been disciplined with love by his little world will be disciplined without love by the big world. Every time John Sainz 
took that belt off, he had my best interest in mind. I sure didn't see it back then. I couldn't grasp when he said, I'm doing this because I love you. I'm thinking, man, you have lost it. I don't know what's up with your theology, but anyway, I later learned it's true. Listen, here, I need, I need to tie this up, but I'm going to talk about undisciplined parents. Y'all help me. Let me just plow through this. Uh, I, have you ever seen the lifeguard parents? Here's a lifeguard parent. They, they never have nothing good to say really about their child, but let their child get in trouble. Man, let them get in trouble for anything, and they run and get the lifeguard ring, and they throw that lifeguard ring to them. They call the judge. They call the principal. They call the pastor. They call in every favor because they don't want there to be any consequences for the bad action of their child. Lifeguard parents. Safeguard them from every stinking thing, every consequence, and you're doing them no favor. You see, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. I'm not saying never step up to bat, never try to help them, but they need to understand that there are repercussions for the actions and the decisions that they make. If you bail them out of everything, one day you'll be dead and gone, and you won't be there to bail them out, and you will not have left them the understanding that I cannot keep doing this. So then that, that's, that's a lifeguard parent. And then, uh, you, I mean, you just come to the rescue every single time. And then there's the Etch-a-Sketch parents. You ever seen an Etch-a-Sketch where you, you draw something and you shake it a little bit and the lines are, you know, you, the parent that you can do this today, but tomorrow you can't. Hello? This is right today and, it's, and, and tomorrow it's not. When we go through the season, well, God is first and we're going to church. And then six months from now, I don't feel like it. Now we ain't going to church. It's all good. Your friends can come over. Y'all jump on the trampoline this morning. No consistency, no lines of definition, you see. And it's a problem when, when, when there's no real decisions and no lines of definitions. And I'll tell you something, a, a, a child would rather have a hard line to toe than one that they can't see. One that is here today and it's over there tomorrow. Well, I can drink today. No, I, I can't drink now. Smoking's wrong. Well, chewing's Well, it's all good. It's all under God's grace. Come on, friends. Mom and daddy, you got to set the precedent. You got to draw the line and say, this is what is acceptable and this is not acceptable. Let me move on. And then there's the split decision, parents. The Bible says, can two walk together unless they are agreed? Split decision, parents. In other words, daddy said yes, and mama said absolutely not. Let me say this, mom and daddy. Children will work you. So I'm going to give you a heads up. I done lived this by raising four. You tell your children right now, you never, ever come to me and ask me anything without having first asked the other, or at least considered the fact that I'm going to see if it's all right with your mother, or she's going to see if it's all right with me. And this is double for split homes. Mm, that's a different story. Yeah. So, let me say, split decision. Here's something else, too. Parents, now, it's going to be tough. I better uh, just move right on through it. Have you ever seen the parents that, I mean, here's a split decision, and that is, that's one, two. If you do that again, I'm going to tear you out of frame. If you do that again, I am going to call your father. If you do that again, and you know what? The, parent, the child has already learned that you're a liar. 
They've learned that I'm going to do this as long as I jolly well please because they're going to bark and bark and bark, but they ain't no bite to my mama and daddy. That got real quiet. They have learned, let me tell you this, you know what a warning is? A warning means this is your freebie, this is your warning, after this comes the tribulation. That's it. Man, this thing, we might not have nobody next week. <laughs> oh well, still the truth. I'm trying to help you so that they don't get the ultimate time out later. Raise them in the fear and the admonition of the Lord. When you say something, mean it. If you ask me one more time, you're going to go to your room the rest of the night. Okay, if they ask you one more time, goodbye. See you tomorrow. Why? Because they understand that you are a mom that means what you said. Or you're a dad that means what you said. If it comes down to, I told you, I told you that, I told you the other, let me say this. There comes a time when you've got to say this, and this is it, and if you break it, you're going to suffer the consequences. He said, man, you must have had a horrible, listen, I got four wonderful children. They're all with me today. Are you with me? I, I mean, they all survived. I wasn't the best. I went overboard sometimes. I guarantee you, I disciplined sometimes when I was too angry. I'm just here to be honest with you. But I'll guarantee you there ain't one thing, there ain't nothing I wouldn't do in this world for either one of them or their children today, and they know it. So, so here's the deal. You've got to be careful. Uh, the Bible says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You've got to keep God first. Let me say this. This is very important for you dads. Listen to me. Kids who become active Christ followers after they leave home as adults. Here, here's the, the stats. For children who become followers of Jesus Christ, if neither mom nor dad follows Christ, only 6% of children will ever follow Christ. 6% will follow him as an adult. If mom only attends church and follows Christ, 15% of her kids will follow Christ as an adult. If mom only comes to church and follows Christ, 15% of her children will become Christ followers as an adult. But listen to this, Dad. If dad only, dad only went to church, 55% of kids will follow Jesus Christ as an adult. Now listen, dads, I know on Mother's Day it seems like we give mom the big deal and we just give you the spanking every Father's Day. <laughs> Moms, you're so important. There's no doubt about that. We love you to death. But daddy, I want to tell you something. God made you the patriarch of that family for a reason. God made you the head of that household for a family. And if you will model what it is to follow Jesus Christ, 55% if only daddy goes to church, 55% will go to church and follow Jesus Christ as an adult. Now, let's put them together. What if mama and daddy have a marriage that is built to last and they both come to the house of God? 72% of their children will follow Jesus Christ as an adult and stay in church. 
That's why it's important to throw Dr. Spock out the window, to throw Johnny Come Lately out the window, to see what thus saith God. And let me raise my family on the Word of God. Church has got to be a priority. Listen, you're creating and you're establishing a legacy. Pastor, I don't want to force my children to go to church. Let me ask you a question. Do you force them to go to school? Do you offer them a choice? You know, you're getting old enough for kindergarten now. Would you like to go? No. You don't ask them that because you're grown enough to know they need the education. You say, well, we took a vote in our house and they voted not to go to church. This ain't no democracy. This is a dictatorship. Mama and daddy run this house. The kids don't run this house. And listen, if your kids do run your house, I'm praying for a turnaround. I'm praying that God will help you to be the dad and the mom that ought to be. To say, listen, we love you. We want sports. We want activities. But when it comes time to go to the house of God, you're going to know that's more important than hitting a baseball or a softball or a tennis ball. Please bear with me. I'm not knocking the sports. I know some of you got traveling teams. Wonderful. Praise God for you. Find yourself in church somewhere. Because they're not doing what you say. They're doing what they see. Now, I need to tie this thing up. You don't give them an opinion or you don't give them an option about school. Uh, but then you ask them, do you want to go to church? Y'all want to go to church today? You're leaving a legacy one way or the other. You see, the problem is this. We give them that option. We say, well, I don't want to force them to go to church. The problem is this, that later on, you couldn't find them in church with a search warrant because that's the legacy you left them. Let me ask you, are you leading your children? Now, here, here's one last thing. I'm going to say this. I promise I'm going to hush. Sunday comes, and I know that you work. I know you work hard. and Sometimes both of you work hard, and sometimes you work long and arduous hours. And it's tough. And you say, well, Sunday's my only day off. And, and that might be true. But we only have one service on Sunday. You can choose which one you want. And you're leaving an example. How important is God in your life? I say it's of utmost importance. And that child needs to see Daddy say, you know what? I've worked 12 hours every day this week. But if I'm off on Sunday at 10 o'clock or 10.30, whatever time service starts, I'm going to be there. Amen? In the house of the Lord. There has to be order. Stand with me, if you will. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, let me ask you a question. And this is going to be tough, but I want you to be honest with me. How many in here with heads bowed and eyes closed, no one's looking around, would say, Pastor, pray for me. I've been dealing with a kid-centric situation. Come on. Thank you for your honesty. God bless you. Hands popping up all over the place. I've been dealing with kid-centric. Listen, I'm not saying that you don't love your children. You please don't misunderstand me. Nobody loves their children more than I do. I promise you that. But you are in the place to set order. You're the one that is responsible for it. And God's supposed to be number one, and your spouse, your spouse is supposed to be number two, and your kids are number three. They don't rule the house. They, they shouldn't be telling you what you're going to do and what you're going to eat tonight and where you're going to go. 
Mom and Daddy set those rules. They consult together and they put a united front in front of those children. And that child understands that God is the center of this house and we're going to be God-centric. So let me pray for you right now. Heavenly Father, for every hand that was raised that said I'm kid-centric, I ask you, God, to give that dad the courage and the strength to turn that around starting today. I pray, God, that he has the courage today. I pray for that mom that she would have the courage today. Lord, I pray for those dads and moms that are putting the children first. All right, babies, we love you, but we got to put God first. We learned today that God is number one and, and, and our relationship is number two because we're going to be married when y'all are grown, grown and gone and bringing in grandbabies. So God, add your blessings to them right now today. Heal the broken homes and give us marriages, Lord, built on you and built to last in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated for just a moment as I